on-site podcast. It's definitely another episode. If you are new to the podcast, check out www.knowyourselfia.com and listen back to the huge archive. There's bare episodes there, man. A lot of good stuff we've spoken about. We are recording live from Levi's House of Strauss. Had a little decor in the building, so I can't see where I'm supposed to see, but it's all good. And I have a special guest in the building with me. It'd be rude. I, I just feel like it'd be very strange. Some people do podcasts solo, but I just haven't done a podcast solo yet. I've got DJ Swerve in the building. What's happening? Yes. Very good. Great to be back. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Many people don't make it back. You know what I'm saying? Wow. It's ain't no shade. Maybe okay. they just haven't, the schedules haven't matched or whatever, or maybe, maybe some I'm other. just available. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, nah. You know what I'm saying? Just in case people don't know, um, a veteran of this broadcasting game right here in the UK, you know what I'm saying, on major networks, Kiss FM, um, definitely a very established and reputable renowned and capable dj you know i like that i want to use that as a uh, as an intro <laughs> yeah let me just snip that we'll just play that i'll play that out <laughs> on a sample before do, I do start. you see yourself as a capable dj or I'll, would you describe yourself as like something else i don't want to be described as incapable <laughs> no but like, you might think like i'm saying you're a capable dj you might be like capable i feel like i'm more than capable do you know yeah. what i mean yeah but i'm modest so Modesty can sometimes, well, often go against us. Do you know it what I'm does. saying? I know it does. I've learned to like gas up my thing a bit more. There's that fine margin in between, like obviously not gassing it up too much. But you don't want to just be humble because I don't want to have humble income. So if I'm going to be like humble, then people are going to be humble towards me in regards to like when it comes to negotiations. But yeah, look, big up yourself. Be proud of the work that you do. Uh, if you're modest, then that's cool too. I mean, you just will be comfortable in your own skin. I'm, Same I don't, with your chest. Yeah, I, you know me. I don't go around waving my arms around and shouting, but I like to do my stuff and be recognised for the stuff that I do. But there's... Everybody was the same type of personality and the same DJ, it would be very boring. Very so boring indeed. Variety is the spice of life. You see sneezing, yeah? Shouts to all the people who are definitely dealing with hay fever around this time of the year because it gets very techy and very tense. How do we get how do we get to there? Do you know why? Can we just tell people there was not an edit there? That was straight, right? That was just straight. There was no editing. All right, okay. you know what? Broadcasters, presenters, contenters, if you want to call them that, yeah? Some people are very king with like segues. And some people just swerve the car. And sometimes you just gotta swerve the car. And that was a swerve of the car. That was nice. So I was like, you know what? We just need to move on now. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about the fact that some people are definitely dealing with a lot of hay fever right now. They're sneezing. You might live with someone. You might lie in a bed with them on a regular basis. They might just be in your house leaving slime all around the place. They're taking all kinds of like sprays and pumps and all these kind of things. Fortunately, I'm not a sufferer like that. But there can be a time when you do get something that affects you. And it can happen when you're driving. And I swear, sneezing and driving... Have you done that recently or ever in your life, Swerve? No. Your name's Swerve, so. <laughs> no, but I do believe an old school friend of mine did crash his car when a bumblebee came into his car when he was driving with the window open. Oh. Try and oh. explain that on the insurance claim. Yeah, that's not really like a thing that you plan for, is it? <laughs> so it's kind of like a similar thing, though, isn't it? Because like sneezing, you yeah. wouldn't think it'd be so it's dangerous. It's an involuntary response and yeah. getting attacked by a killer bee what are you gonna do i don't feel like in the uk we're really inclined to sort of drive around with the windows down too much because obviously the weather's not too good shouts to all those with the drop tops shouts to those with the drop tops just drop topping when it ain't even warm enough just trying to stunt and that have you got drop top by the yeah. way have you ever had one got windows no straight up you do drive in it 
Yeah. Are you a hay fever sufferer though? I think I get it a bit. I don't get it anywhere near as bad as some people. Uh, I can just, I just remember when I was at school and some of my like classmates suffered from hay fever and they'd always get it in the summer. And when you're doing exams in the summer, when you've got to revise and it's just like, that's the worst time to have that going on. So I do feel for yeah. him. Mad thing, man. Mm. On-site podcast, SK Vibe Maker, DJ Swerve in the building. You know what I'm saying? We're doing a one-to-one today. And I like that because Swerve, we have conversations off camera, off mic. And I feel like I learn a lot from you as we, well. We've done about 45 minutes before That's we started rolling. Pre-conversation, yeah. talking about the greatest rapper of all time. Yours was very different to mine. Yours yep. was quite surprising. We talk about some funk-ish. We talk about the music yeah. we used to listen to when we was growing up. Yeah. Speaking about a few things, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're going to talk about some music stuff later. I'm in a few WhatsApp groups. And there's one in particular that um, I'm, a, I'm a big football fan. I feel like you're a basketball fan because we used to talk about yes. NBA beforehand. Yes. That's another thing we talk about. So like in the group, I think it was yesterday, somebody posted a picture of a before and after. Two girls in the back of a car. Yeah. And listen, man, there's a lot of catfishing going on these days. It's been going on social media the last few years, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, these two girls... And let me just say for the record as well, both men and women, women and men both do this. Change their appearance to make it look maybe better when they're maybe trying to date someone or maybe just being on social networks, Instagram, whatever you're on. So these two girls in the back of a car, we saw the before and the after. Well, we saw the after first, then we saw the before. These girls, I need to show you the picture, Swerve. These okay. girls, wow. All right. The after was maybe what many guys and females would maybe deem to be attractive. The before was not unattractive, but was very different to how they look mm. in the after. Now, it gets to a point when you're, you're changing your appearance so much. It's like, what are you actually trying to do here? Are you, this is fraud, basically. Now, have you ever been a catfisher? Or do you know people that catfish? I I don't think I could be a catfisher, to be honest. I don't know where to start. <laughs> well, Maybe I, a wig. The thing is, you wear glasses. You take your glasses off, you look very different. Oh, listen, don't get me started. You put a toupee on, you look very different, Swerve. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show no, you this picture. No. I'm going to show you what this is picture. The, okay. I, I can probably imagine. I've seen so many photos where you see the before and after. It's just an absolute like science to this. It's, yeah. It's an absolute fraud. And I just feel like... It's motion picture level makeup. It's madness. Like, let's, let's, let's find this thing. Where is this thing here? Because when you see this photo... Well, here, while you're doing that, what is the motivation? Because... Obviously, you look a certain way when you have all of that makeup on, right? Yes. So, you can't, for the rest of your life, if you're with that person, maintain that, like, 24-7. That's what I'm talking about. So, that's the after. Yeah, you see these two girls yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. That's the before. Okay. That's significant, no? Yeah. Bro, we're going to have to yeah. put these pictures up on the screen. Okay. Madness. So, like, what are we trying to I've achieve seen, out here? I've seen more extreme. 
I thought it was going to be more extreme than that. That was extreme, bro. If that's your wifey doing that, if that's your sister, if that's your girl, what are you saying to them, though? I would be more concerned in what their self-image is, to be honest. That's like, that would be my only concern. So have you ever been catfished then? Uh, no. And just in case, in, in case people don't know what catfishing is, in fact, I should actually define what caf catfishing is. That's when you deceive someone of your appearance online. That's what it is, basically, yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Have you ever been catfished no. before? No. Have you ever thought that maybe you might catfish somebody? No. Because... <laughs> This is not going to go very far, unfortunately. <laughs> I've never been catfished for the record, and I've never fought to catfish anybody. But if your if your sister was catfishing, or someone in your family, like a female member, was catfishing, what would your sort of thoughts and sort of advice be towards that? Well, I, no, hold on. So, are we saying not putting on makeup and doing contours and filters? for me, isn't catfishing. But catfishing you know is a completely different thing where you impersonate... Digi impersonation. You di digital impersonation. Digital impersonation. I like that. But I feel like there's a grey area in between it because without, like, if we want to... We could get into pedantics of it, but they're basically catfishing anyway because they're trying to get likes. Well, they are changing their appearance. They're changing their appearance because the picture that we showed, which we're going to flash up on the screen, when you see the after, these guys look very slim. When you see the before, they look. It's male, uh, and it's male and female. It's male and we female. We got a female, of course. We got female there, but you got men. You got them that they'll contour on abs. You can. Uh, That's mad. All that. We're in a visual age. Do you know people have like surgical abs yep. as well? Yeah. Why yep. would you do this? Like, I'm not here to judge, in it. And someone out there's doing it for it's like maybe. We know it's insecurity. And as I said, you need to be, you need to find a way and it's difficult because we all have our own insecurities. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. I have barely any eyebrows whatsoever, right? And you know, you were saying about taking glasses off. Yeah. I have to take my glasses off to get a passport photo done. Okay. I hate it. Oh yeah. So what do I you even tweeted it. I just said it's a violation that I have to do that. Straight up. I do not like, I really don't like, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But you have to be, yeah, you have to be find a way to be comfortable in your own skin. I know it's a cliche, right? But mm -hmm. the amount of work and nervous energy you are going to expend by maintaining that appearance that you are projecting, it's, it's going to be tiring. The thing is, I don't, use, I don't ever use filters on social media. No. Like I believe that however the photo's taken, if I don't like it, I won't post it. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to try and finesse the the photo. No. I, I see no reason. And I also, me as an individual, I want people to see me in real life and say, you look exactly like the way I saw you on the screen. Mm. Like, I just don't want people to see me in real Yeah, it's just weird. Like, I don't want people to see me in real life and be like, wow, you look a lot older than like, or you look like... They're, they're searching for something nice to say kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I don't use filters. Are you pro-filter? No, I don't use filters. I'm saying, man. Have you seen my photos? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, look on my Instagram and see how beautiful I am. Is that no, what you're saying? I mean, it's just like, no, it's the other way. It's like, if I'm using filters and looking like that, sack the person that made the filter, bro. For sure. But you, yeah, I mean, I'm older, so I just, it is what it is, bro. We mm -hmm. get wrinkles. You get wrinkles, fine. I got wrinkles because I laugh. 
And I feel like I'd there's something about than agefully ha- gracing as well, ain't it? Um, aging gracefully? Gra- uh, aging aging gracefully. gracefully. That's what I think. That's what I think. There's a lot in that. You know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, or just like, just not giving a F. Yeah, not giving a F, man. On-site podcast, SK Vibe Maker, DJ Swerve. You might realise that we're anti-catfishing and that's that. Do you know and what I'm saying? And we're pro being yourself. Pro being yourself, man. Let yeah. the grey hairs come through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let the wrinkles come through. I mean, right. if my hair fell out, it didn't get a chance to go grey. So there you go. Oh man, it's all right. You live it though. You're fine. Yeah, was, you know what I'm saying. To be fair, my hair was rubbish when I had hair anyway. So it just, it's gone now. I just shave it off. I don't think I remember you with hair. Nobody does. There's some throwback Thursdays in there. Straight. I, I, yeah, I was ahead of my time and my throwback Thursdays. I need to repost it. I looked I like mean, a proper Shoreditch hipster. Is it hereditary? Mm, no, my dad. My dad still had hair. They say though, this is this is another direction to go. I, apparently, it's the generally it's the the mother's side of your family. What are the males saying, hair wise, follically, and on my the male side of my mum's side of the family, all bald. So Same there you mom. go. I might have to look on my mum's side <laughs> to see what the future holds. And I'm saying them you, hereditary You were a cap though, so you're you're straight. It could be a good or a bad thing. They say the caps are what do the damage. Oh, come on. I'm saying, I like my caps though, man. Yeah, man. I'm saying. It's you. Jordan, Jays, yeah? I wouldn't recognise you without one. Um, you might be surprised. No, I've seen some of your throwback first days. I'm saying. Got yeah. Some, I got some You've got the shell jacket on and you're giving the mean mug. When yeah. You're with. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. That and was the yellow look, hat, man. You, you know what I'm saying? That. Yeah, Some people thought that I took bare those photos in the same day because I wore the yellow hat. I just wore it for time. That was the and hat. I had a few of them as well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Onside podcast, SK Vibe Maker, DJ Swerve in the building. We are recording live. Levi's House of Strauss. Now, Popcorn's got a lyric where he says, Don't let nobody pour my liquor. Believe. I've just recently allowed people to start making cups of teas for me. You know, like when you go somewhere and they say, like, Do you want a drink? I don't really like people messing with my like drinks and my food. You never, are you like that? You don't know what they're going to put in your food and stuff or you just calm with it. Are we we all got to go restaurants and stuff, innit? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. As long as you don't leave the tea bag in when you put the milk in. Oh, I don't drink English tea, Please so. Yeah, 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 the English Please tea, man. I remember, what, what was the order? When I used to, I can't remember actually. I haven't drank English tea for like eight, nine, Why? 10 years now. It's lovely. I drink peppermint tea and it's lovely. It's delicious. But, Do you have honey in the peppermint tea? Nope. No honey, no sh- You can't do... That's like... That's an oxymoron. I feel like if you're drinking peppermint tea, you're drinking it for the values of it being like pure, purified. Manuka honey um, in there? It's not going to... I hear you, you, but not it's not got to have the sweetness to it. Nah. Uh, for me, it does. Yeah, peppermint tea straight. Go. There's some water and some peppermint tea, some peppermint tea leaves. Sometimes the actual tea leaves or sometimes you get the twinings and whatever. Okay. I'm a peppermint tea advocate. I'm yeah, saying, nice. next time you come to my house, I'll have some nice peppermint tea for your swerve. Or maybe next time we're here doing a podcast. I'll let you pour it. Do you know what the maddest thing is? When I DJ, it. I like to have some peppermint tea. That's why I actually DJ with a uh, nice cup of peppermint tea. Instead of some alcohol. Swerve's imagine like, you playing in some grimy spots. They're not going to have <laughs> peppermint tea for you. Who says I DJ in grimy spots, swerve? What are you saying? The yellow cap SK <laughs> says that. <laughs> Do you know what? In my time... I've been a bit snobby. I've not been a guy that likes to DJ in like grimy spots. And that's not because of like... Some of the best parties are in the grimy spots. I hear spots. you. We've all been the in The hood there. spots. It, it might be the hood spot. Don't need to be grimy. Don't need to be grimy. And also, I just need the, the equipment to be on point where I am. And I feel like if it's the grimy spot, 
the equipment's not going to be on point. No, the faders are going to be missing at least three caps. That's You're going to have like Wolverine's been DJing there the week before with all scratches on the paneling. See what I'm saying? One of the CDJs doesn't work properly. You have I to switch to it on flex. and switch it off. Yeah. The flex. If I can't flex, then... Do you know what the one used to be? The old one used to be back in the day. If it went somewhere and the crossfader was busted or one of the faders was busted. Do you know what, do you know what, the, do you know what the standard thing was? Educate me, man. EZ was here last week. Oh, because you know EZ was always that's what like beyond. He was always he's a slap the, it. The fader maestro. Oh, but see. I reckon though, I believed them the first couple of times they said it, and then after a while, I think it was just something that went round head office, and they would say, if any of the equipment is defective, just blame it on EZ. Oh man, like EZ, man. Sorry that you Techers. get blamed for all of this. Yeah, stuff. He, I mean, he he did all right though, didn't he? Big up EZ. Still man. doing all right. He's mate. still doing all right. Absolute legend. We're talking about longevity, man. They don't come deeper than EZ. No, and EZ's cap. Someone who's someone who's stuck to his guns. I'm saying. I was having a conversation. I was having. I was having a conversation about this in a, in a group chat before mm-hmm. about. Well, we're not going to go. We we got topics to get into. I don't want to get into other. We can't talk it, man. Express yourself, other swerve. Topics. Okay. Express yourself. Okay. So I have a concern. <laughs> no, no, I have a concern uh, with so many open format DJs. I think there is a lot to be said for. Being flexible as a DJ, but also having something, having a style that you stand for. EZ, you know what EZ's going to play, right? You know what EZ's going to bring, mm-hmm. what vibes. Shorty, mm-hmm. again, flexible DJ, but you know he's going to come with that hip-hop, mm-hmm. hip-hop R&B mentality. Hopefully, you book me, you know it's going to be soul R&B with some other flexing in there. Thing is, if... So you're talking about DJ identity. Yeah, and a lot of DJs don't have identity because only yesterday I was listening to the radio. Oh, I feel and I something said to now. Myself, I feel something coming. I said to myself, this DJ sounds like they're disrespecting the music. Because shall I tell you something, yeah? You see, when you're dealing with genres, don't disrespect the genre and know the genre. But I don't know if I'm coming from a purist aspect here. So, yes, you can be an open format DJ. And that means, like, for those that don't know, that you play various um, genres. But respect the genre that you're DJing. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, we get a lot of DJs that just want to play the biggest rhythm in the genre. They just want to play two. Like, if they're going to play, they might play some Amma Piano and they're going to play, like, um, You Wanna Bamba or whatever the tune is. You know? They're just going to play the one tune. I feel like you're disrespecting the, the, the genre. That's, well, that's my opinion. Well, so, it, it hit me when I was coming in on the train, right? Because there's some other chats where people were saying, or was it was on Twitter, they were saying about when DJs turn up, and they're booked on a lineup, and not everyone, but the number of times there are repeats of tunes during the night. Mm. You'd hear one tune four or five times, and the DJ that is on before another DJ, the DJ that's on after is repeating tunes that he's heard before, right? So that could be because he never heard the the last DJ's whole set, though. Even though, but maybe they've, maybe they've been there it, and they're going to do it anyway yeah. because they haven't got the depth in a particular genre. Remember mm. when we started and when we were around, I know I'm, I've been in it a bit longer than you, mm-hmm. but you would have, say, I mean, let's just pull something out of the hat. So I was doing something at Hippodrome, Leicester Square, right? Mm-hmm. So I would be booked. I would be doing R&B and hip hop. And I know specifically after me, be Master Steps. Mm-hmm. And Master Steps would be playing... He'd be told, because he can play outside of genre, but he would be playing like a garage set. Mm, garage then. is his core. Like, so that was yeah. him. So mm. you would have like Swerve, you would have Steps, then maybe you'd have Shorty. So it was programmed in that way. If mm-hmm. you are programming 
open format DJs throughout the night, then it's going to be that. There's going to be overlaps. It's going to be a mess. You're going to have a DJ that doesn't care to play. The DJ might play the, the rhythm twice in his set. And you know I love, I love open format DJs, but I think the novelty of open format DJs when it first came out was not everybody could do it because at the time you couldn't have the music because you had to go and buy the records and everything like that. Mm. The thing is, right, and I'm not hating on open format. Don't I don't want to don't come across as a hater because mm. there's a there's a very big skill involved in doing that. Mm -hmm. The problem is, unless you absolutely excel uh, excel at that promoter could come up to you or the manager could come up to you and you could be you're not irreplaceable mm -hmm. if you're just coming in and just playing the hits because you're, you're in a especially you ain't got identity there's nothing you stand for and unless you are bang on it and you are one of the best at it and you can go deep pockets in all of those genres yeah see i know i can go deep pocket and i'm sure you can in a lot of genres but i never describe myself as an open format dj no. i can do open format but first and foremost, I see myself as a hip hop DJ. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, I made a conscious decision a few years ago that I was going to kind of bring the scope in just a little bit. I still play a bit of house that I like. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you define yourself as a DJ? I suppose it's got like R&B and soul at its core. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you'll have, uh, and, and hip hop, because hip hop was my first musical love. Mm -hmm. like I first started buying records was hip hop mm -hmm. records. Um, so it's kind of, that's the core. But as I was saying to you before, with, with like soul music, there's so many, there's, there's funk, so many boogie, overlaps, yeah. disco. So I'm kind of revisiting and enjoying those parts as well as playing, you know, like those jiggy party things, those bops. You call it bops now. I love playing club bops. There needs to be more club bops. Those one, those 100 BPM, nice bops, like Western, like, like we're saying, NSG. For sure. We want those. For That's sure. what I want. That's the stuff I want to play. I want to play feel-good stuff in a club. Doesn't have to be old, right? There needs to be new stuff coming through because yeah. new new music still gets me excited. Yeah. But I just and if need... it doesn't, as a DJ, it's a problem, huh? Yeah. Well, then I'm just not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna play it. I I take clubbing as uh, an escape from day to day. Mm -hmm. So I wanna. If everyone's having a, if everything's a little bit on top at the moment, then let's go to a club and sort of let go and just enjoy ourselves and smile. And this is why I've been drawn to some of the older soul funk and boogie records of late. I said to you last night, I've picked up a couple last night that I, I feel like I can play in some of my sets. Are you the sober guy in the club the majority of the time? Because yeah. I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, I saw you at the coffee thing, innit? The coffee yeah. showcase. Yeah. But you did have a glass in your hand at that time. I saw you though. Know. <laughs> I see you did. Yeah, soft drink, There's nothing though. wrong with that. It was a soft drink. No, I wasn't. I, I, I could have drunk if I wanted, but I don't think I did then. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't. I'm, I'm mainly the sober guy at the yeah. party, man. And everyone's getting waved off. Everyone's surfing. And I'm just walking on the beach. That's my analogy. I think what put me off though was like getting on a plane from doing a gig and like getting on a plane hungover is just not the one at mm. all. Well, at least you can sleep, right? No, I can't sleep on a plane. I can't sleep on planes either. Not sitting up. Oh, so not you're the same? Up. Not sitting up. I can't sleep sitting what up. What month were you born, man? September. Okay, we're not the same. Virgo gang. I don't, I don't believe in all that stuff. I just thought I'd ask, man, because there was some similarities and some overlaps there. But yeah, um, I can't sleep on the plane either. And it's a bit like sometimes, I don't want to say torturing, but I stay awake the whole journey. Like when I go to LA mm. and it's like 11, 12 hour flight, I'm awake the whole way. I remember the last time I went there, I was, I was awake for, we left. We left and it was nighttime, got there and it was morning. And then I stayed up the whole day. So I was awake. I worked out like 36 hours. 
madness. Mm. Shouts to all the people that can't sleep on planes. Gets like that sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Uh-huh. On-site podcast, SK Vibe Maker, DJ Swerves in the building. Yes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you know what I want to talk about? Shouts to DJ Snips. You know what I mean? You know Snips, right? I love Snips. I've told him this, <laughs> right? So Snips and Twitter are a marriage made in heaven. I would frequently come back from a club at about 3 a.m., and I would see the wreckage of snips and persons or people going at it. And mm -hmm. I would see something and I'd just see the end of it. So it would almost be like the scuffle in the car park has just about broken up. <laughs> and and I'm seen seeing that. <laughs> so then I'm having to kind of go back up. How did this come about? Mm -hmm. And then I would just see how, how it escalates. I'd love to see how it escalates. And I've told him this many times where he said he's quitting Twitter. And he's he quitting this. He like Jay-Z, he, he can't, he, he can't he leave the back. game alone. He can't leave it alone. So DJ Snips, um, he kind of sparked, in my opinion, an interesting little talking point and debate on social media over the last few days. It's something that I've been debating about. If you rewind through some of the prior podcast episodes and some of my, my interviews are hotter, interviews you will see that i've spoken about the correlation between record sales and um, how people validate how good a song is if there's a correlation between the high sales and how good a song is i feel like we might have even spoke about it the last episode you was here but what snips was talking about he was talking about how hip-hop is in his opinion and i feel like it's maybe i don't want to say a mythical but it's a lot of people run with this narrative that hip-hop is mainly consumed by middle white England and middle white America. So those people who are consuming the music aren't at the core, they're not the makers of the music. So when they are helping to make artists like Jack Harlow and Post Malone and in the past MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice and some of these artists very popular, why should these artists be seen as the most important to a culture when they are being bought by artists that, by consumers that aren't part of the core of the culture and maybe don't care about the culture? That's kind of the gist of what he was saying. So it's like, back then, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, they outsold many of their hip hop counterparts in the 90s, mm. but they were never consumed, they were never considered as the saviors of hip hop or the best artists. So why now would we now consider your Jack Harlow's and your Post Malone's more important than like a Freddie Gibbs, Griselda, a J. Cole or something like that? Why would we consider them? Well, J. Cole is big selling, but you know, well, you know what I'm saying? When I saw these question, this question was coming in, I, I, I thought about it and it's why I think I would look at it from an artist's point of view, really. So t take it back to the beginning. So as an artist, why? what is your motivation to make music? Is your motivation to become popular, i.e. a pop star, or do you want to be the best rapper out? And do you want to be the most, well, it's difficult to be the most respected, but actually then would require you putting in a lot of work mm -hmm. to get, the technique up the production the links so i think it's i think it's different i would not i would not list 
greatest rappers and then look at sales figures. Mm-hmm. I would personally, I would break it down to technically and musically. What's the best product? Mm-hmm. Now that the best product may not sell the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose in commas, in inverted commas, the best product, the best is subjective, isn't it? It's down to opinion. Yeah, I, we mentioned this last time. I don't think anything creative should be. You know, you shouldn't really treat it as a competition. I think that's when you're gonna you're gonna fall down, mm-hmm. um, and you're gonna become disappointed because mm-hmm. you've got rappers or even you've got artists. Do you remember there was that thing a, a week or two ago where they were complaining about the label of saying you're gonna have to do more TikToks. Marketing has always existed and it's going to continue to exist. So that's part of the marketing plan now within record labels. I don't know if they should be asking artists to do that. Maybe they should create be creating a TikToks. Or don't sign to a major label. Because there's so much you can do now independently. Mm. If you're about if you're about the craft. So the core of this discussion, which has been spoken about in many different incarnations over the years, however you want to kind of different phrase it, but is that if you know middle white america middle white england are the ones that are helping to make some of these artists really pop and do massive sales why should does that validate the artist basically within the culture because the people that are consuming the music aren't of the culture and are not of the core of the culture can you understand that kind of argument Why should those people who are making it popular be in the conversation to tell anyone who's the best or they're the best? So who, right. So why should middle white America, middle white England be buying and making Post Malone and Jack Harlow very popular and then turn around and say, these are the best rappers because of their sales, but they don't represent the core of the culture. And at the same time, any color, culture, religion, gender, age should be able to buy, consume and be part of this hip hop thing well, as yeah, well. Well, yeah, just what you said. I mean, anyone can listen to any type of music they like and they're entitled to have an opinion on that, right? Mm-hmm. And you're either going to agree or disagree with that. Um, I think if you are, I mean, personally, if you are in a scene and you are a rapper you need to have for me personally you need to have respect for the origins and the the generations of rappers before you you should have like an awareness about what's happened Mm. and study your craft ideally that's what we think and what we believe well that's how it that's but then these younger new fans are like that's bare homework i don't need to do homework they don't have to they don't Mm. have to they don't want to they're just going to appear um ignorant appear ignorant then shout shout loud and be ignorant mm-hmm. it's not never stopped anyone before is it so someone who only buys music like say they only buy drake's music they only buy j cole i mean they only buy drake they mm. only buy jack carlo mm. they only buy post malone and like say for example the more popular artists mm. do they have any standing or opinion to say you know what yeah these rappers are better than the core of hip-hop your Freddie Gibbs, well, no, they don't your listen Griselda. To the, they don't listen to the other music, so how can they have an, any opinion on it? Say they are aware of it. How? Do they listen to it? Yeah, they've listened to it before. Well, that's It's a personal opinion, isn't it? 
It's just a personal opinion. Like anyone can have an opinion, whether it's well judged or not. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me that X is a better um, MC than, I don't know, Kendrick or Rakim or LL or Jay because they sell more, they've sold more numbers. I mean, are we saying, do you qualify to have an opinion? Everyone can have an opinion. The 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 weight or the the val- <laughs> whether I consider that opinion or we consider that opinion valid, that's something else, isn't it? Anyone could go online and say anything about anyone. If your only metric is the number of sales, wow. I mean, that doesn't. That just means lots of people are listening. The reason why an artist can't be judged, in my opinion, on just sales alone, because I think the core values of rap and this hip hop thing is if a rapper has content, if he has a message, if he has flow, sorry, if they, he, she, whoever, if they have content, if they have a message, flow, delivery. You know what I'm saying? I feel like they're- Stage show, stage presence. Yes. Likeability. I feel like the likability is obviously subjective. That comes after. For the record, I want to say some of the biggest selling rappers of 2021. I don't know if this is in order, but Drake, Youngboy NBA, Juice World, Eminem, J. Cole, Pop Smoke, Lil Baby, Lil Dirk, Polo G, Rod Wave. Now, when we look at that list, I don't feel like there's many people that know their stuff that are going to say there's some sick artists on that list you know what I'm saying I feel like I can maybe I feel like at a stretch I'm going for like free <laughs> do you know what I'm saying yeah you're asking the wrong guy <laughs> what are you saying about that that list of like the best selling rappers of 2021 the ones that you rate out of that list this is an OG that I'm asking his opinion right yeah, here. Yeah, but you know what? I don't want that. I don't want it to come across as you know all, all new music. I'm not into new music. And it's stuff, not about but, that. But we love at, new we're music. Looking at, we're looking at numbers there, and I'm like, yeah, Drake. I like some of the Drake stuff. I play some of Drake stuff. I mean, not it's not so much on the latest album, but it's not music that particularly moves me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'd be. Yeah, I'd be more excited in some of the UK, like the UK, like we, like we spoke about before. Like Mahalia's got something, like Coltrane may have something, or NSG may have something, or just like, just a bit of a bop, man. A lot yeah. of that stuff is quite slow and chill, or real tear up, jump up, <laughs> smash up. And Not I'm gonna kind lie, of, man. As I said, I, more bops, please. I just like bops in a club. I'm not gonna lie, man. I do have a lot of enjoyment when I put them pop smoke songs on. I have a lot of fun with that yeah. stuff. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, pop smoke. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he'd be one of the ones that I'd rate out of that. It's madness. Yeah. And it gives me a nice segue into, you know, I'll be playing like some turn up hip hop, some trap hip hop mm. or whatever. Then I segue into the pop smoke and I'm, then I'm in my drill bag. And then it goes back to what we were saying before about if you want to be open format or whatever. If I'm transitioning into like these little subgenres and these, I'm making sure I'm going in a segment. I'm not just giving you a one, two. I can't disrespect it like that. Sometimes there's a, you know what I mean? Say, for example, you're playing pop smoke in his jaw and then you're not going into a jaw bag. That's cool. But then if you're, come on, man, respect the thing. Do you know what happened to me once? We were talking about this before. 
you know you said you, you go into a particular artist and you can just do some nice little quick quick mixes between three or four tunes mm -hmm. i was doing this in dubai like years ago and i had this i can't even remember what tunes they were but i had like three or four jay-z bangers and they weren't all sort of like the super bait ones but just good solid like mm -hmm. bangers and uh somebody came up i was in the middle I don't, maybe i'm playing for like six minutes and i've got like two or three four tunes going nice tight mm -hmm. someone's handed me a note saying why are you only playing jay-z stop playing jay-z it's like did not understand what was happening at that point but they're not always going to get it can't please everyone it's funny you say that because somebody came up to me the other day and i got a residency and um, at this residency someone told me you play a lot of rihanna don't you and I'm like, yeah, I do. Because I do my Rihanna mix when I come here on a regular basis. Mm. And I like doing it. And you're going to enjoy it. And everybody else enjoys it too. And no one really has that much to say about it. And I didn't take what you said as disrespectful. But I'm just putting this on the record to say, yes, I do get down with my Rihanna mix. And it goes for a good 15, 20 minutes certain times. Wow. Get in. Yeah. And then I might go into, once I go into Man Down and then I go to Beyonce Hold 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 Up, is it called Hold Up? The local reggae tune that she's got. And then I'm in my Beyonce bag. And then I might go for another 15, 20 minutes with Beyonce. And then when I transition and I play um, Beyonce and Nicki Minaj on the, um, the, the remix, what that tune's called, I'm so bad with track titles, Flawless Remix. Then I might go into my Nicki Minaj bag for a bit, like a 10, 15 minutes. Hate it, I love it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's how it goes for me certain times. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? I like my discography mixes. And that's how I sort a lot of my music. DJ tips, I don't know, 101, you might want to take it as a pro or a con. The way that I audit my music is that I do um, artist discographies. So like if there are certain artists I like, I make sure that I start a playlist and I go through chronologically their music from the beginning of their career to the end, all of their singles, then I add in the songs I like. And that's a good way of checking that I have the songs, the clean edits, the dirty edits and all of that stuff. And boom, do you do anything like that? Uh, not as deep as that. No, I'm quite, I'm quite loose with it, man. But it's, it's important to have your library um, organised though. Library's got to be on point. Mess. Oh, that's not good. If your library's not on point, whether you're using Serato or Recordbox DJs, it's going to slow down the process. And it's only going to be the people at the front of the audience looking at you, just not understanding why you're not playing the songs how they want to hear it. And it's you that gets things thrown at you. That doesn't happen to me. Have you ha had things thrown at you before, Swerve? <laughs> I don't think so. I, there was one place I did a really random gig in, in uh, Leicester once. And it was really quiet. Um, but the thing that I remember that was freaking me out, there was a light, there were only these scanner lights that would just do something and it would catch one of the poles. So it would make a shadow just like flick. And about three or four times I flinched see, thinking that something was being thrown. Mad. Just because it would like literally go, it would kind of go like that. So the light would go like that. And I'd be like, oh. It was like a bit of an optical yeah, illusion. Yeah, yeah, oh kept thinking it was going to happen maybe what i think it may have happened once and i stopped the music i was not impressed with it at all mm -hmm. but nah not crazy fortunately not not often on-site podcast sk vibe maker your host extraordinaire i like to talk i like to not swerve like topics i like to get down to it i like to have on-site discussion and that's what we're doing right about now dj swerve is in the building and yep. the irony is Today, he's been swerving some things that he doesn't want to talk about. I feel like maybe a little bit. What was that? <laughs> maybe I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your name Swerve, by the way? Oh, that's like... a good question. Yeah. 
Why is your name Swerve? Well, so about 99, I started to get some club work together and I didn't really have a DJ name as such. Um, I went to a weekender, a Southport weekender. This is mm -hmm. honestly true. And I got talking to uh, a young lady and we hit it off. We got on very well. So back then, the phrase would have been getting your swerve on, right? Mm. So everyone was just going, oh, there he is. There's Chris getting his swerve on, blah, blah, blah. Right? So mm. I got like teased like all weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Just because of that. Just chatting to someone, dancing with someone, blah, blah, blah. So we were in the car coming back from another gig. I can't remember who I was with. One of like the OG people I used to roll with it was either Bigger or I might have been back with Mark Collins who's like really important in my career. Um, and like we were talking in the back about, oh, you need a DJ name, Chris. You really need a DJ name. So then you I, just DJ Chris before? Something like, well, yeah, I've had loads of different ones like CJ and stuff, but there's obviously quite a lot of CJs and so mm -hmm. we need something. And I literally, I think I said it. I just said, oh, you know, oh, DJ Swerve then. And everybody started laughing. It was just like, nah. I was like, obviously, rest in peace, DJ Swing. I was like, is DJ Swing? Obviously, Swing beat and everything, but it's like you had DJ Swing, so why can't you have a DJ Swerve? And hey. then it was like, and then the more we said it, it was like, it's yeah, stuck. it could it could work. And now, unfortunately, there's quite a few like DJs. I think in America, particularly because there was another sort of the second coming of Swerve was what 2010 or around there, mm -hmm. where that then became another phrase that was used in hip hop mm -hmm. like a lot. And uh, so there's been a few have, have popped up. How do you feel when you come across other I can't even brands that have the same name as you? Because there were some guys that had a similar name as me at a certain time, but I outlived them and now they're just a, well, a memory of the past. The same. I mean, none of them have been doing it as long as me. I've been doing it for like 20 plus years. Somebody, there was a, it's funny actually, I got an email through on my bookings email from someone at uh, Chicago University wanting to book me for a day party. And I'm like, they got the wrong DJ Swerve. I would have thought so. <laughs> so I had two choices. Well, I had a few choices. There was one of them just trying to completely blag it, but then somehow come from London or hate and not reply. And then my man could lose out on a booking. And I was like, I replied back to him and I told him, gave him a piece of my history, told him what music I played, told him I was from London. And I just said, I'd love to visit Chicago. And I left it at that because it was obviously a bit of a misunderstanding. Plus, I had a book in the next day anyway. So you, I, I, wouldn't, couldn't, I couldn't make couldn't, it. It couldn't be in booked. two places in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah, it exactly. is. It would have been cool though, but yeah. Oh, happens, isn't it? I feel like we were talking about something earlier and you just, you kind of spoke about the record shop briefly. Yes. Now, um, shouts to all the DJs who have a physical music collection whether mm. that's vinyl or cds shouts to all of the music fans or music consumers who have the same thing a physical music collection whether it's cds or vinyl or even if you're an og and you have cassettes wowza recently there was an unfortunate situation in my premises where more than a few cds of mine ended up on the floor jewel cases cracked smashed classic albums man dmx eminem albums fabulous albums and stuff like that i think even my ross castle my raw kim was in there for the record my cds are alphabetically ordered 
So yes, there were certain CDs who ended up that ended up on the floor, cracked and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like I'm going to replace the the jewel cases. That's what they're called eventually. But yes, I have a physical CD and vinyl collection, and I won't be getting rid of them. One because they look fantastic in my pre- place of premises, and two, I just feel like somebody would say some stupid number to try and buy them and I'm going to feel disrespected. Number three, it serves as a great legacy and a reminder because when I look at them, I'm like, wow, it's bittersweet though because on one one way I look at them and I'm like, it's a significant amount. But then on a second way, I'm kind of like, it's not as much as I feel like it should be or as much as I envisioned it being before I put it into like sort of the organisation. So, when it comes to having um, a physical music collection, there's almost like a different attachment that comes with it. You remember going to the place to buy it. You remember looking at the credits. You remember just busting open the CD or the vinyl for the first time. You might have a vinyl with it and it's scratched and you just remember when it's scratched. It might be cracked. It might be the label might be something, something defected. And you just remember these key things. I don't feel like it's the same when you download a song or you stream the song for the first time. But obviously, it's all in perspective to the era that you started collecting music and maybe your age. Now, I know that you have a physical music collection yep. still, don't you, Swell? Yeah, for sure. Have you ever considered <clears throat> selling it? Has anyone stolen your collection? Has anyone on purpose damaged your collection before i don't i don't think so um i've like i suppose most djs you'd have to manage it at some point so i've tried to i try to reduce it mm-hmm. uh but there's it, it's like a it's basically it's a library it's a it's a musical library it's like a almost like a historical uh like a museum piece it's a, it tells a story of my part of my life so that's why I couldn't. I know there was a time when Serato came in and a lot of DJs. It was a relatively, I suppose it was a relatively good time then before you would say like the vinyl value. There was an initial crash where the value for vinyl just went because you didn't need to have it in order to function as a DJ. Mm-hmm. I know there was like CD, I know there were CDJs and CDs and stuff, but just say physical copies, but particularly vinyl. Um, there was like a crash. So a lot of people were like cashing out. So they were digitizing everything and then they were getting rid of everything. And then fair play, if that's what they wanted to do, then then cool. But I wasn't. Did you capitalize no. by like sort of, what do you call it? Oh, you what, call what, buying, buying, like the buying stuff some back? of those DJs stuff? No, because I think with with those ones, they've been DJed with. So you can have the Q-Burn on the one and stuff. And if I want something, I want something that's kind of close to mint. I you saying you're a snob like that, brand new vinyl only brand, snob, no, yeah. No, not brand new, but I do remember, like, what did I get? I, I, I got a record that I looked for for quite a while. Uh, it was a Marley Ma record. Um, I can't remember which one it was now, but right. It was, I had to get from America, cover, company sleeve. So it was a record, it had its own special record label sleeve, which is what you look for. Clean labels great quality right at the beginning you just said that just on the very first part and i just remember being just a little bit gutted that it had that q burn on it but that's how i feel about it but i've never heard that that phrase before the q burn yeah never heard that before you know i, you I know, totally you know understand what, what you mean yeah where totally understand. just get absolutely yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Obviously, where everyone's bit. like, that's where the person's starting a record all yeah, the time. Or the, for, more importantly, or they're scratching they're it in. queuing it. They're just yeah, yeah, queuing yeah. it on the yeah, yeah. one, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just going to wear the. It's just going the needle's just going to wear away that particular part, and you get that you get that sound on it. But shall I tell you? Go on, say what you're saying. No, I just think for me, well, I there's go with what you want to say. I just want to talk about like record shops and how. Uh, I just think it's it's a shame that DJs coming through aren't going to be able to experience that. Like, th- there's an element of that that I think is really, really good, and I've got some really good memories of that. You counter that by, I probably went digital 2008, might have been a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine, like. 14 years worth of vinyl where that would well like the number of djs that have storage for their records because they have no room they filled up any room that their parents may have Mm. let them have the room in their own house they then have to pay storage prices that's the thing like the vinyl collecting gets out of hand um the reason why i don't look back and say, I wish I was still using vinyl now. And I know some DJs do is because we are in an era now as a DJ, the amount of music that's coming out. If you had that equivalent in vinyl at the moment, you would be carrying about 10 record boxes to your bookings. You're not factoring that in. You've got the nostalgic feel of how you feel about vinyl. Yeah, I'm a bad boy because I got vinyl. And yeah, 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 I'm a proper music person because I got vinyl. But you're not thinking about the practicality of having to carry the vinyl around from location to location. I remember from a young age, I wasn't even carrying my own record boxes. I was carrying a very famous hip-hop DJ's record boxes. And they were swinging and banging my knees and my my shins and that and it wasn't a lot of fun but it was a slight exercise and I don't miss that there was my era of carrying record boxes around in my early days for a little bit when I was DJing because we wanted to be cool still DJing using vinyl and that and it was long and then you have to leave them in places you might have to leave them in the boot or when you're DJing and you finish your set and you leave your vinyl behind the DJ there's a lot of trust involved yeah it's the practicality of it's mental. The now you got you got the USB yeah. or you got your your hard drive on your laptop. Do you know what I do? You know what I really didn't enjoy. Go on. It was flying. So the way I did it was I had I would take two bags with me. I had one UDG bag that I actually put and hid in a Samsonite suitcase, right? And it was protected because I didn't want anyone seeing that I was bringing records, like because I'd heard horror stories of, like record boxes being broken open and one record after another coming around on the baggage reclaim things going missing so i used to do that and then my other bag which was i tried to do as a carry-on even though it was probably way over carry-on um like weight would have all of the these are not going out of my sight (laughs) but then as you know as a dj with physical copies you would have a certain order that those records would go in right so when I got to the hotel room, I then had to reorder all of my records to be ready for the set. And then the next morning before I got on the plane, I had to reorder them again so that I had to have my carry-on records. Because Another thing that we're not considering is the ordering and the yeah. admin of the record ordering. And the cost. 
So I remember I was coming back from Taiwan from doing a gig and I was doing the the, the Samsonite suitcase thing and they were going to hit me. It wasn't as bad as some people because I wasn't taking, as I said, I was only taking like one record bag out and another bag I was carrying on with me. But like they were going to charge me like nearly 300 pounds to, to fly back. And then I explained to them what it was. And in the end, they charged me 70. I mean, I don't know. But it then got more and more and more and more expensive. So The tax. Uh, the tax, well, man. Nah, they're just charging you excess, aren't they? Excess baggage and whatever they are. It's a tax. You. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. a tax, man. Whether we want to accept it or not, it's a tax that you wouldn't have to pay when you're carrying your laptop so and your USBs at the moment. So I don't... I. I don't miss that, but I do miss the the Friday night, particularly Friday night record shop, because that was when the vans used to come round with all of the US imports. The record shop culture itself, just like barbershop culture, yeah. is just like it's unique and it's you can't replace. No. Now, even if you don't even want to think about the actual record shop, even when you used to have to go into HMV and put the headphones on mm. to listen to music, that's one thing. Going into the record shop, talking to the DJ, having a conversation, you're, you're in the classroom, the, 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 the person who's selling you the vinyl is going to be some kind of connoisseur, do you know what I mean? There's all of that involved. There's the, the different levels of whether you was you respected or or you just like some non-respected or they don't know you if you're respected they might have the white label or the imports for you under underneath the, under the, the counter you know underneath the counter the if you ain't got that connect like that you, you're probably going to get charged more no discount and you're just going to have to buy what's on the shelf yeah. and what's on the shelf is just what everybody can have and most of the time what people don't want and then I was just only thinking to myself you know like when I was telling you that I heard the mix on the radio yesterday and I was like this mix is so disrespectful to the genre and it's just rude in the way that you're putting the music together is the fact that what we're also not, I don't know if you're thinking about this as we're having this discussion, but as a DJ before, the reason why your fee could be higher when you was more revered because you either had the vinyl, you had the tune or you didn't. Now it's just like, oh, I ain't got that tune. You see the DJ, oh, like, run me a copy of that, put that on my USB, put that on my external hard drive, put it on my hard drive or download it illegally or just download it. Just download it. If there were, if the tunes run out of stock from the record shop, you just can't have it. Mm. Sometimes you might have a friend or a fellow DJ that might let you borrow the vinyl. I've heard some of these stories from Heartless Crew telling stories and some other DJs that I know, but like I never ever borrowed vinyl. Sometimes people borrowed my stuff. And the reason why I didn't like doing that too much is because there are certain vinyls I can actually remember right now specifically that I want back. <laughs> and I know who's got them. And they're saying they ain't got them. And I'm going to tell you there's one tune in particular. Coolie, Bag of Worries, Ride the Panani. Do you know that song? Yeah, of course. It was a black vinyl. That's the only record in my whole life I went back. All the other stuff is cool. That one song. That was an EP, want. right? I think it had a couple of... No, mine was just, just the one tune that I can remember. It was a black vinyl. Black vinyl. And yeah... yeah that was one somewhere. of the one that slipped through Do you know what else? i tell you, here's another one that you'll, you'll relate to. You're about to go out for a gig. There's one tune you want to take and you can't find it. Do you know what? Funny enough, that never happened to no, me much. That didn't because lying, I kept no 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 no. Do you know why? Because <sighs> because because for I never actually had decks in my house. So my vinyl, the only time I played them was at the radio station and when I was DJing out. Oh, so in so my house, in the I, yeah, there was okay. always in the, the, the cases. You know what I'm saying? I never had that problem. I remember doing one gig and I was nearly late for it because I took about an extra half an hour trying to find the 12 and I didn't know where it was. It was all over the place. The flat that I lived in, 
like my wife, she still laughs about it because it was just getting darker and darker and darker because more and more shelving was going up and it was like blocking out the light a little bit. I had like piles of 12s that were just against the coffee table. Sometimes they'd fall and it'd knock the coffee table over. And I was trying to find, I think it was an outcast record. I can't even remember which one it was. I was trying to find it before I went to go and do a gig. And either the DJ before me played it or I forgot to play it. But it took me, it was to actually find that one copy rather than just going on and typing on your laptop and finding it is just, yeah. See, nowadays for me, it's almost like keeping in perspective the problems like you're talking about trying to find a vinyl before you leave the house. Sometimes it's trying to find a tune on my computer sometimes. What's the name? Wait, wait, like, ah, uh, like. That's the that's the biggest yeah. problem I have now. Do you know what I'm Serato saying? Serato stare or record box stare where you're just... Uh... That's the biggest problem that we have now. But um, I'm sure, I don't know how many pieces of vinyl that you've got like in your collection. I don't know what my number is. But when it comes to sort of memories and attachments to certain vinyls, I remember one of my first vinyls that I had was bought by my granddad. Um, it was Bobby Brown's My Prerogative album. Um, I also had a Michael Jackson Thriller album. But my one of my favourite vinyls for all time until now is I have a custom salt and pepper push it vinyl. It's red. Do you know what I'm saying? Nice. I think the label's called Next Plateau or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, Next Plateau, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like it's it's got Tramp on the other I think Tramp was the A side. Yeah. It's a vinyl red. It's a red vinyl. Nice. That's my favourite vinyl of all time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I've man. got a special place for salt and pepper too. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we both do still, mm, but like, mm. that's my favourite vinyl, number one. There's no, not even one that comes close to that. Do you have like a special attachment to any kind of custom vinyl that you have? Well, there's one, and I'm just going to go really nerdy with this, but so I'll keep the story short, right? When I was, before I was going out, there was uh, the Capital Rap Show and there was a DJ called Mike Allen. And he was really the first specialist DJ that I got into. Mm -hmm. So he would have the Capital Rap show. He would have it on uh, Friday night and Saturday night. Right. So he was he before Westwood? Yeah. Before Westwood had the, the yeah. rap show? Yeah. What's his name? Mike Allen. Mike Allen. Yeah, Where rest, is he now? Rest in peace. Rest in oh, peace. he's he passed, passed away. He's passed. Rest in peace, man. He was like a traditional broadcaster, the way he would go about his presenting. But like, loved... He's saying he was very straight edge. Love listening. No, but... He wasn't. He was like, a bit. He, he was wasn't stiff. With, he, no, 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 not at all. Um, it just wasn't. Uh, wasn't like heavy on the sound effects and stuff. Oh. He had his own way of of presenting, and he was obviously passionate about hip hop music, and he was introducing it to a lot of people. But anyway, um, he used to do the Groove Electro Hip Hop Chart, right? So mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, we were talking about numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So there was this chart, which for me and for a lot of people was really important because it was the top 20. There was on Greek Street, there was a record shop called Groove Records. Mm -hmm. I put it on one of my stories um, or on my post a while ago because uh, I had a meeting in Greek Street where it was. And I took a photograph of what, what, what it is now and what it was. It was very, very special to me, that place. It was like mythical. Um, so there was the top 20 uh, records. Now, he would play the uh, an instrumental going into this chart and all the way through the chart like he was counting it down so this is really important i'd be in bed i'd probably be recording it maybe falling off to sleep or i'll be listening with an earpiece in 
like and this piece of music was just so so important to me and uh, I never knew what it was and I was talking to Big Ted at Kiss years and years and years ago and he told me what it was it was the Russell Brothers the party scene mm -hmm, mm -hmm. had to find the record so it was actually <laughs> on it was on eBay and I stayed up because I didn't do any of that sniping or anything and I was up about three o'clock in the morning and I got it I got a promo copy of that 12 so that's probably one of the ones just because it's history physical it's a promo but straight up you can't get that from a you won't get that from a download but like I say 14 years of not having to buy every record but also having said that you were saying oh you'd be having to carry 10 uh 10 boxes with you when you went my my question is would even some of those records exist if you had to go through the process to get it onto vinyl because there's a there's an expense involved in it and you yes. have to go through a certain element of quality control there's that whole diy ethic where people can just do it put it out themselves and it's on, it's on a stick but let's not get it twisted man was carrying 10 record boxes yeah maybe that's a slight exaggeration and probably half of them didn't get played but it was just the fact you that you needed them. them just in yeah. case yeah exactly. you know what i'm saying that the, the art a big art of djing is being able to have certain different places you can go and you don't know what the dj before you's playing yeah, and right. he's not going to be your friend he might try to yeah. burn you out yeah, and you've got yeah. to counteract what he's trying to what he's been playing and it still happens now i think there wouldn't be as much music out if it if it had to be physical there yeah, would, there wouldn't be as much music. Yeah, yeah, because because uh, yeah. the barriers have been removed for good or for good or for good and bad. Yeah, it's just there. It's just, it's cheap to put it up for download and accessibility yeah. now. There's I think no the hardest part. I think the no cost now. No manufacturer than, costs. I think rather than being a tastemaker, almost sometimes the DJ is more of a filter. You're yeah, kind of filter. You're sifting out. Yeah, because there's a lot that's dropping, and then you're kind of sifting out, and then the bits that are coming through your filter are the ones that you're going to start playing. That's an interesting thing to think about, man. That maybe that's a whole nother discussion about whether DJs are actually tastemakers or filterers these days. Because I feel like a lot of DJs are just playing things nowadays because they want to play it first, or there's like, well, I suppose the politicalness has always been there, like the associations and stuff. Like that's yeah, your I people's. That, I don't think the exclusive things really. I don't think. I don't think in recent times the exclusivity is really the one. Um, when I was doing, when I started doing uh, the Kiss uh, show, when I was doing the four nights a week, we, we looked at, I was talking to my producers and we were looking at how we wanted to make it because we wanted it to be like one of the key shows for that that period. And we did really well for like three years. It was like, it was, it was banging. But it was, don't get too caught up in exclusives because is it, you've got to ask yourself, is it, a good record is it good or is it just the fact you're playing it because it's an exclusive and you want to be the one that said i and played it first and that won't change the fact that it's a bad record or it's not a good record the Straight fact that you played it first and that's the same as well sometimes like you listen because i got i used to get a lot of specials and dub plates which yeah. um some people might not know are like custom made songs of like the artists will custom make like it will change the chorus and put your name in it if i didn't like the song i don't care if it's a special yeah. or dub plate i ain't playing it you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of dub plates and specials that are just on the cutting room floor that have never been played. And I don't want to sound snobby, but that's just it. And I have to stick by my integrity. Yeah. That's how it goes. I want to send shouts to some of the like, I feel like record shops I used to go to, man. And um, there's a lot of obvious ones, but there was a record shop in Walthamstow that I used to go to that I think it's called, Di it used to be called Direct Impact, I think. I can't remember the guys' names, but there was two guys in there and we used to have some great conversation and it was never really busy. So it was always good in there. And then I used to go to um, Body Music in Tottenham as well. The guy behind the counter was very grumpy. They were one of the last record shops to close down. I feel like they only closed down like maybe three years ago. 
You always um, had to have a grumpy person in a record oh, shop. Me. At least one. I think that was probably one of the, when they were interviewing, they were like, are you moody? Show me your unimpressed face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I feel like it was Body Shop, there was a lot of moody people. It was two guys and they were both moody. Um, groove Records. You got talking to Mike. Sorry, I was counting my fingers. <laughs> I had Groove Records, <laughs> like I haven't done it before. Right, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, groove Records, Hitman Records. There Where was, was Groove Records? Sorry? that You mentioned that one yeah, before, yeah. That, that was, was Greek Street. Greek Street, yeah. Then there was uh, Hitman Records. There was uh, Red Records. Brixton. No, this is huh? in West End. Then became um, just around the side of um, off Carnaby Street. But there was a Red Records in Brixton, though, innit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unity I used to go to. Then uh, you had Uptown Records. Of course. Black uh, Market Records. Catch a Groove. Big. Uh, Black Market. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were like the main ones for me and Daddy Cool for some of the, for the reggae bits and then later on it was Dub Vendor. Shout out to Chris. I used yeah. to I used to Dub ring Dub Vendor was in West London, innit? Well, no, the Dub Vendor that I went to that I spoke to, um my gosh. I mean obviously, yeah, it was West. I don't know why I thought there was one in I think there was one in um Clapham Junction. Uh, I, I used to phone them up every Monday. And I used to speak to him and ask him what the what the big rhythms were that had come in, and then I'd buy. That was when I was serious about my dancehall stuff. Different. And it used to be right. What's the new rhythm? And then literally, you could ring. I could ring him up, and I could. He would knew what my style would be, and he, he and I. I would just say, look, can you just give me three pieces on that on that rhythm? Can I just get three? What What's the three? And then if I wanted more, then I'd go back and. Mm, but also sometimes you wanted the doubles as well of those as well. You know what I mean? That's yeah, it depends what was thing. on the flip. Yeah, it'd be mm. really awkward if you had like two big cuts and they were they were on the B side. Normally though, I think that's probably why they did the versions because yeah. you'd have the the dub version just so that you're not going to be missing out too much on it. Straight up, it got yeah. very technical, man. There was a record shop in West London I used to go to that was by Labrook Grove train station used to come out and go left I mm. can't remember what that one was called it used to go Red Records in Brixton and yeah. then there was a next one on Cold Harbour Lane as well where I used to buy a dance hall from as well but like at this very young age for me I was it was like a voyage to the yeah. end of the earth because these places I'd never been before like I even remember like I'm from North London yeah and I was going to like Clapton which is not too far from North London East London but on the edge of East London and I used to go to Jungle Fever Records as well as a kid, like in secondary school, yeah? But uh, it was like I was going to flipping Scotland. Do you know what I'm saying? I used to ca- catch two buses to go there and save up my school money. And then they haven't got your record. No, nah, that's I used the to, worst. I used to buy... Did you ring up? Do you used to ring nah, up? No, 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 no. So no, what? No, no. You... I just what? went in there and yeah. I used to see like some of the MCs and DJs in there, mm. and it was like I was seeing superheroes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, you, you, you're buying though, right? You're still yeah. buying. But what happened? You went in there, your record. Bought... That was a thing. No, nah, there was things for me to buy in there because I had limited money. Yeah. Oh, so I, like, me like too. I, I think the records was like some of the jungle records were five pound, some yeah. of them were seven pound, and I might have had ten pound or like twelve pound. So I could only buy two records. Same, like same so, for it's me. like they had something for me because it's not like I was going in there to buy bare stuff. I worked at Sainsbury's weekend job, so I did Thursday night when I was at school. I did, would do Thursday night and I would do all day Saturday. I'd probably get like twenty eight quid, and sometimes I would literally I would go out clubbing, but obviously you try and keep it on an absolute minimum. And then I would go up when I was a bit older. I would go up into town, and I would just try and pick up, pick up what I needed to pick up. It was like four ninety nine for a US twelve, eight ninety nine for a US album. I'd have to wait a few weeks sometimes because that would save two pounds to get it on UK release. Even I'm though saying. now I wish I'd, 
I wish I'd bought the US because I just prefer the US because they've got nicer covers and mm -hmm. the pressing sometimes better. And sometimes as well, it seems like the UK pressing of the vinyl was cheap. You know when you used to get the thick vinyl? Yeah, exactly. But like, but yeah. then the US one was like the, the clean, slick, like yeah. thinner. It was, a, it was a bit fatter. I was ripping some old, like I had, a, I had a Cool in the Gang album and I was ripping some stuff off it just the other, just yesterday. And uh, just the thickness of the card and stuff. This is all like tangible stuff. But, Crazy. You know, you talk about like record shops, like for people that don't really, can't really imagine what it's like. It's like a group chat. You're like in a group mm. chat with everyone that's in that room. So you're, you're kind of waiting. You might have got what you wanted or you might literally be waiting for the van. So what would happen is early evening, the van would arrive, which would have all of the imports. So the DJs are there. It's key on a Friday. They used to have our recreational drugs in there. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> They used to come in and you used to be like waiting for waiting for those those ones that you knew were coming or you heard what was coming in because you'd been in there maybe earlier on in the week or the week before. You'd be like, oh, next week the Craig Max come in. And some of those Friday nights could be expensive. Trust me. As I got older, I felt like I spent, I never regretted it though. I spent a lot. When I look, that's, that's a reminder as well. When I look at my big vinyl wall, yeah. I think, rah, like, this was all of the money that I spent. I was probably, the, like, the poorest in my life at that time. And I spent so much money yeah. on vinyl. Mm. But fortunately, I didn't have a recreational drug habit. So that was my my drug of choice and my addiction. And I used to buy loads of vinyl and CDs. And I don't feel like I'd ever get rid of them. I feel like the the more likelier thing for them to happen is for them to get destroyed by having arguments in my household. Uh, I was going to ask what happened. You just answered what happened. <laughs> I could put two and two together. But yeah, man, shouts to all of the new DJs that don't have to deal with any of these physical conundrums and maybe have a great connection with the download that they bought or maybe the stream or the music that they don't own because I respect the perspective and I respect where it's at now because me as a DJ who did start with a vinyl collection I don't look back and want to start DJing with vinyl anymore because I don't want to get up out of my chair and turn over the vinyl or start it back again I just want to press the button on my little device and have the the wireless speaker and have the tin guy and you know what I'm I saying did some, I did some streams um last year I had a problem where I couldn't uh Oh, there was a whole thing with um, Big Sur and stuff and um, you not being able to use the card and stuff. So uh, the, I, I couldn't stream uh, for a bit. So I had to go vinyl in order for me to stream. And I did some vinyl only streams, which were good fun. But I don't nah, I wouldn't want to go out and do in full vinyl sets again. Fair play to people that do and they do 45 sets and stuff. But yeah, the digital the digital realm, you can do so much more stuff. I think the, the DJs that are mm -hmm. coming through, um, big up the ones that are like make taking advantage of the technology so it makes it easier in a way because you everybody can have a grumble about syncs and stuff but using the sync button mm -hmm. but there are people that are using hot cues and doing incredible loops and mm -hmm. all that stuff that would not be possible with vinyl mm -hmm. so people that are kind of pushing and being creative i'm all for that and i just i love i love seeing it and you can make your own edits and you yeah. don't have to go and press it. Like, shout out to Music House because a lot of people were pressing their 
dub plates yep. and their edits and you'd have to go and pay I feel, I feel like it was 30 something pound or whatever music house but like now you could just you know export the WAV render it down to an MP3 and boom Bob's your and uncle and those acetates would only last for a certain number of plays I still got my they, dub plates I still got out. some of them though still. some of them wear out they it? do After definitely wear out you know what I'm saying you get more than Q-Burn all the way through <laughs> mad you know what I'm saying hey yeah. man it's been another great episode man on site podcast SK Vibe Maker DJ Swerve, Levi Sasa Strauss. Let them know your socials, man. Yeah, well, thank you for having me first. Um, socials, uh, Mixcloud's a good one. I got some uh, new bits up on there. It's just mixcloud.com slash DJ Swerve. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at DJ underscore Swerve. And uh, hit me up. And there's something new coming, which hopefully next time maybe I'll come in, I'll tell you all about. Yes, sir. Lovely, man. All right.